Welcome to the Issues of Sports. I'm your host, Evan Makovsky, and it's a pleasure for myself to be on the Believe Network. It's spelled for all you out there, B-L-E-A-V.com. You can search the Issues of Sports. It's the Believe Network, and we are thrilled to have a new home for the Issues of Sports as we dig in and move forward on this podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at the legacy of Coach Mike Shashevsky, who is now done coaching at Duke University as they lost to North Carolina in the Final Four. And we congratulate the Kansas Jayhawks who beat North Carolina in the biggest comeback in championship history in the NCAA Final on Monday night. But we are focusing on the greatness of Coach K, who to me is, and it's a subjective thing, he is the second greatest coach to UCLA's John Wooden. There's no other way in my mind to spin it. He's the winningest coach of all time. He did it in what I consider a more difficult era than John Wooden, and that's no fault of John Wooden's, who was great, and I still put him at number one for the number of championships that he has, but we are dealing in a subjective metric. There's no question about that. Coach K has an impeccable resume. He has less championships than John Wooden. He's a five-time NCAA champion. He won it in his first one in 1991 with that great upset in Indianapolis over UNLV in the semifinals. And then he took down Roy Williams in Kansas in the final. But to me, his greatest moment, he's had so many. Of course, there was the game the following year against Kentucky in Philadelphia when Grant Hill threw the pass to Christian Leitner, who hit that shot against Kentucky. But I still think the 91 championship, his first one, when they upset Las Vegas in the semifinals and that UNLV team beat them by 30 points the year before in the finals in Denver. They come back, win that semifinal matchup. The Vegas team was coached by Jerry Tarkanian. They had Larry Johnson, Stacey Augman. It was a massive upset. They were undefeated. It was in the final. Four. That to me is his greatest moment. But again, this is all subjective. So he has five titles 91, 92, 2001, 2010, and 2015. The 99 team, though, lost to UConn in the finals. And that was the one with Elton Brand, Corey Maggette, William Avery. They were a major favorite over Rip Hamilton and Khalid El Amin. And they got to the finals and they were upset. But that was a great team that Coach K coached, but that did not win the NCAA title. He's made 13 Final Fours, including this past one in New Orleans. He has 15 ACC tournament titles. He has 13 ACC regular season titles. He's a three-time Naismith College Coach of the Year. I can keep going on and on. Five-time ACC Coach 
of the year. Coach K has three Olympic gold medals. He served as the head coach of the United States men's basketball team that won those medals at the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing, the 2012 Summer Olympics in London, and the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro. He was also the head coach of the U.S. team that won gold medals at the 2010 and 2014 FIBA World Cup. He was also an assistant coach on the 1992 Dream Team that won gold in Barcelona. So he has three gold medals as a head coach and one as an assistant coach. If you recall, the late Chuck Daly coached the 92 Dream Team. So his resume is not going to get any better than that to me, okay? So I put him number two to John Wooden. But again, this is all subjective. There's so many other names out there. Bobby Knight, who coached Coach K as a player at West Point, Adolph Rupp, Dean Smith, Roy Williams. You know, it it keeps going on and on. I mean, the Hall of Fame is filled with college basketball coaches that are currently coaching as Coach K was inducted into the the Hall of Fame in 2001, and then he was inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame in 2006. So he's got multiple Hall of Fames, but Jim Beheim's in the Hall of Fame. So is John Calipari. So is Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins actually just found out that he will be inducted in this year's class. That will take place in September in Springfield, and there are other coaches, Larry Brown, you can, you'll can, you know many names that are in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying, yeah, actually I am saying Coach K is in a select group of coaches, but he's not the only name to be in the Hall of Fame. So there's uh, multiple coaches that are pseudo-active that um, are in the Hall of Fame. So I don't wanna say that other coaches haven't been there, But I just put him on a higher plane, even than his mentor, Bobby Knight. And I feel like he did it the whole way with class. Is that pouring water on other coaches? I don't think so. Krzyzewski has coached 68 NBA draft picks, 42 went in the first round, 37 All-Americans, nine national players of the year, and in total, 208 players have played for Coach K. But we're going to hear from a person who was recruited by Coach K and who played four years for Coach K, and that is Jay Billis. And you're going to hear from him, and we know Jay Billis has gone on to be a very successful college basketball analyst, both in the studio and doing games for ESPN television. So everybody knows Jay Billis, but he once played for Coach K from 1982 to 1986 at Duke. So that is next. I'm Evan Makovsky, and you're listening to the Issues of Sports on the Believe Network. Welcome back to the Issues of Sports on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Evan Makovsky, and it's my pleasure to welcome to the program ESPN's Jay Billis. We're talking about Coach K retiring. He played for Coach K. He was recruited by Coach K. And we're going to find out from Jay where he thinks Coach K ranks on the all-time college basketball list of the best coaches. Jay, why don't we start right there? I have him 
at number two behind John Wooden. React to that. That's great. I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, I don't. I don't rank coaches, so I wouldn't know where to put anybody. I know he's on the the upper tier, uh, the highest tier of coaches um, with what he's accomplished and the way he's accomplished it. Uh, but I, I certainly wouldn't argue with uh, with your list. What when you say what he's accomplished and how he's accomplished it? Let's get underneath the what and the how. When you say what, do you mean all the wins, all the players? What is the what? Well, I, I mean, certainly all the wins, championships, um, and, you know, players. I mean, he's recruited those players. Um, and you, I think the whole package is what I would say. And he's done it at, a, at perhaps the most competitive time uh, in the game's history. Uh, as as the game has grown and he's done it through significant change through television and you know now social media and uh and the growing interest in the game so there there are more games being played uh it's a it's a much bigger stage and uh and there's a heck of a lot more going on than there was 60 years ago you have guys like Jim Beheim, Jim Calhoun, Roy Williams has a very good image. Bobby Knight, who was Coach K's coach at West Point, uh, mixed. But I feel like few coaches ever have had this aura of just, and I don't know him, you do, of just not just being a great coach, but just a, a wonderful person. And he's done it over decades with just class and I can't think of that many other not just coaches people in sports that have just have held it held it up like coach K has well I can I can think of a a ton of of great coaches that have similar class and dignity and have done it you know quote unquote the right way that that's sort of the thing with when you get into ranking these you know you 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 put out a few names and you know, when you start saying, okay, well, who's number three, who's number four, it gets into almost a ridiculous area of, you know, if you were ranking broadcasters or pilots or doctors, um, it, it would start to become laughable after a while. And I, I know that's part of what our society does, but, uh, you know, I've, I've sort of enjoyed laughing at the whole, you know, who's better Jack Nicholas or, or Tiger Woods or who's better LeBron James or, Michael Jordan or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, whatever it is. And it, it gets into an area where you start arguing to say, well, the, the, the number two player of all time isn't as good as it's not close. You, know, you're, you're, you start laughing when you start doing that. Um, it, you're talking about comparing uh, greatness against greatness. And it's like, which painting is the most beautiful to you? It, it, after a while, it, it, it gets kind of silly. And so, I, I mean, I, I certainly respect the, the exercise, and I think it's great to start a discussion. But, um, you know, I, I, don't think, I don't think I'm going to get very far in an argument with Hubert Davis over whether Coach K is a better coach than Dean Smith or with Bill Walton, whether Coach K is a better coach than John Wooden. Um, you know, I, I just I don't think that that's particularly productive, just like. You know, I, I told a friend of mine, like on, on Mother's Day, if we were all at a luncheon with our mothers and each one of us stood up and said, I have the best mother in the world, uh, none of us would argue. But when you when you say my coach is the best coach ever, um, 
you know, it, it creates this, this uh, sort of passionate, visceral reaction to it. And I've never really understood it because you're talking about, you know, great being talked about with great and, uh, and nobody's ever going to decide it. It's never going to be definitive. You mentioned earlier different eras and John Wooden did it in a different era than Coach K. And again, I know that you don't care and need a, a number on where he ranks all time. But just looking at the eras, would you say that Coach K, I mean, it appears to as sports has built up and become bigger business and whatnot, has done it, in a, did it in a more difficult time than, say, John Wooden? Yeah, but I but I think if you put Coach K in, in Wooden's time and Wooden in Coach K's time, they would have both been at the highest level of the game. So, you know, what what do we mean by that? And and if we're trying to compare that, could Coach K have won 10 if he coached back there? Who knows? I mean, I doubt it. Uh, I doubt anybody could match that. It was a, a, an extraordinary accomplishment. Um, but But it's inarguable that the game is different. That doesn't mean that that all of a sudden, uh, you know, Bob Knight or Coach K or somebody else could have accomplished that at that time, uh, or or it, and it and it doesn't mean that John Wooden in today's game could duplicate it. But perhaps he could. We'll never know. That's why that's why it's sort of a bar, you know, bar room argument um, than it is, um, you know, an, an intellectual exercise or an academic exercise. When you were recruited by Duke, Coach K sent your mother a letter. I believe this was back in 1981. Can you take us inside that story? Uh, I don't remember the story. Um, he sent a lot of letters, but uh, it's probably after a home visit or a talk on the phone with my mom. Uh, back then, in the early 80s, there there was obviously no internet, and so you couldn't just text somebody or um, you know, send them an email or something like that. So people sent letters and I got, I got hundreds upon hundreds of letters from coaches. But when I narrowed my list down to, to places I was interested in and coaches I wanted to play for, uh, things got much more intense. So, uh, I, I have a lot of letters from, from coach K that was just one that I, I, I think I know what you're referring to. Uh, it's not the only one he sent, but, uh, to my, my parents, but, um, that was, that was one that he sent my mom and, and I uh, just thought it was kind of interesting, you know, the handwritten note and how things were different back then. What about your story? What made you decide to go? You mentioned coaches recruit players, but your personal story, not covering him, take it, taking back to when you made a decision to go to Duke. What made you decide to choose Duke? Well, I didn't really choose Duke. I chose Coach K. So when I was coming out of high school in Los Angeles, I, uh, you know, I, I had a played on a great high school team with all my best friends that I grew up with. And, uh, we had a great group, but we didn't, uh, I'll just speak for myself. I didn't have a very good experience with my high school coach and I didn't want that to, to happen again. And the way I looked at it was going to college was the only time in my basketball life I was going to get to choose who I played for. And I wasn't going to make a mistake. So I came down to four coaches. Uh, Jim Bayheim was at Syracuse at the time. Uh, Lute Olson was at Iowa. And uh, Ted Owens was at Kansas. And then Coach K at Duke. Um, so it had very little to do, frankly, with the schools I was looking at. It was, it was about the coaches I was most interested in. And those were the four I liked the best. And of those four, uh, I liked and trusted Coach K the most. I just, I just knew that, that he was the, the guy I wanted to play for. 
And at the time, he was the least accomplished and the least well-known. I, I had honestly never really heard of him before he started recruiting me. So it was, uh, you know, it was clearly, for me, it was just something I felt comfortable with. And, and you know, my parents let me make the decision, but I know they were there to sort of work it out with me if I had any any questions or issues. But, you know, when I chose uh, Coach K, you know, they, they, they agreed. I, I never, never heard anything from them on the negative side. You and I'm not trying to debate you. This is it's subjective. You said you don't like lists, but you mentioned Jim Beheim. I'm actually a Syracuse graduate. He trails Coach K on the all-time wins list, but he is not that far. Well, he's only going to do one more year. He won't, he won't pass Coach K, but I, I feel without looking at you know records or any of this, he has one national championship where Coach K has five national championships. I just think that would be an example. I know they are both in the Hall of Fame, but where Coach K is on a higher plane, so to speak, than Jim Beheim, based on the accomplishments, the championships, uh, you know, the the number of Final Fours. Uh, I, I just I think there's a difference there. Your thoughts? Well, if if a person doing a list, if all they want to do is count then it's pretty easy to put the list together. You just start with the, the coaches that have the most championships and the most wins. Um, but if you, if you wanted to start comparing other things, saying, well, d- does, does Jim Beheim or any other coach have access to or, or have they been able to recruit the same caliber player? And the answer would be no. Uh, coach K's coached more McDonald's All-Americans than any other coach. And look, I, I think coaches are instrumental in helping players get better but you're not going to make an average player into a um, you know an nba all-star and it i've always found it interesting that uh college coaches and it's because they recruit and 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 coaches are marketed this way in college they talk about developing players and and producing players so you know all the all the players that uh that play in the nba they'll say well you know coach k produced these guys or John Calipari produced these guys. I don't look at it that way. I, I, I think you recruit pros. You don't produce them. Otherwise, in certain years, you know, when you go certain years without having an NBA all-star through your program, do, did you stop doing the job, stop producing pros? You recruit them. And, uh, and so, it, it, but you never hear that in the NBA. You never hear a coach saying, well, he's produced this amount of all-stars or he's developed this amount of all-stars. The NBA and the NFL, they look at it uh, on a talent basis. And the player gets credit for that, not the coach, but in college because they, they recruit. And you can, you can see it from the, the, the evolution of media guides. You know, when I was in college, a media guide was for the media. Now a media guide's for recruiting. So there's always a section on how many players played in the NBA, how much money they've made, all that. Um, it, because you're, you're trying to sell to players the idea that this this place is a springboard to get you to the NBA, and uh, and so, but but if you to your original question, if you looked at Jim Bayheim and say, well, has he coached the same caliber of player at Syracuse as Coach K has coached at Duke? And the answer is no. And that's one of the interesting things about Wooden. I was always kind of sensitive about arguments against Wooden when I was younger because I grew up there. Mm-hmm. And people would say, well, of course he won championships. He had Alcindor and Walton. 
which may be a fair point. And he won five championships with those two players, but he also won five without him. And, uh, and, and he won a couple of championships when he didn't have a ton of NBA talent on his teams. Uh, he, he did have NBA players, but not NBA all-stars. So he did it, he did it in different ways and, uh, with different types of teams, uh, some with dominant centers, some with, with not without and smaller teams and teams that pressed and, um, you know, he, he, he was a great leader and a great coach. And, uh, and I think John Wooden, coach K Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, they, they could coach any sport and be successful. Um, you know, that, that's sort of what, one of the things I look at, but I don't, I don't rank them. Uh, cause I, I, I just, it, it devolves into, uh, a, a kind of a weird area where, uh, you're, you're talking about multiple great, multiple people who are great at their jobs and then you start separating them. And sometimes it, it, it's separated. I don't want to say arbitrarily, but it feels sometimes arbitrary. And, uh, you know, so you, like I put lists together all the time. I do it because <laughs> my company likes it and, <laughs> right. and because it gets people arguing. And, and we, you know, the media likes argument because it, it increases engagement. But, um, but if I were to do it on a, I, I would never do it on a serious basis. Um, because of of the the reasons that that we've talked about, you made a key distinction when you said I didn't go play for Duke. I went to go play for Coach K. Another metric in this world, which is a weird metric, you know, not just in basketball, is how much money do you make. I haven't looked at the list in a while, so maybe it's changed. But the last time I looked at the list. Uh, John Calipari was ahead of Coach K, and John Calipari has one national championship. He has multiple Final Fours, but he coaches a lot of players. Or I, I don't know the exact number, but that get drafted number one or you know in the top ten. And I feel like that is why he is paid more than Mike Shashevsky because he gets people players, recruits, ready to be pros, and they go higher, whereas Coach K, to me, is more of a winner, has more success in the tournament. But So I, I have to say why. Well, first of all, he doesn't make more money than Coach K because you don't know how much he makes. Coach K works for a private institution, and John Calipari works for a public one. So you know how much Calipari makes. Coach K makes uh, equally as much, if not more. Okay. Okay. So he makes, I, I don't think that, 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 that's a separating factor. And, and again, you can count championships. Uh, uh, certainly that those are, you know, that's empirical fact, but, but Calipari has been extraordinarily successful and, you know, he, he went to a final four at UMass and, uh, and they haven't been back since they weren't there before and they haven't been there since. And he built up a, a Memphis program that was uh, about as low as it could be when he took it and turned it into a powerhouse. And it hasn't been anywhere near that since he's left. So Calipari is an amazing coach and he's up on the upper tier. You know, that's sort of the thing. We're talking about guys, whether it's Bill Self or Tom Izzo or Jim Beheim or uh, Bob Huggins, whatever. They're all in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. And they don't have separate wings for the the guys that are you know higher up on a list. Um, that that's that's sort of my point in this whole thing. It just gets you know to me it 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 starts to devolve into 
you know, pointing out this, pointing out that. And again, if you just count championships, you're right. Coach K is a, is above uh, Calipari, but he's below Wooden, and he's below Wooden by half. So, so how, you know, could there be a discussion? There can't even be a discussion there. And but I think it, I think it's ludicrous on the golf side to, to use that as a comparison that you can't have a discussion whether Tiger Woods is a better, you know, had a better golf career or, or is having one than Jack Nicholas because, you know, don't 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 come to me until he wins his 18th uh, major. You know, it's 15 to 18. I agree. And with you. to me, that's kind of a silly, silly way to go about things. But reasonable minds can differ on that. Uh, you mentioned, yeah, I was at that Final Four in 96 when Coach Cal had uh, Marcus Camby. I remember that UMass team. I think it was Edgar Padilla, Carmelo Trevioso. That, that was a, a great team. He was a young coach. Uh, again, I'm not um, poo-pooing anything anybody else did. Um, I'm just – Yeah, t- but, but it does – but it sounds like, like – like I'm not saying you are, but it certainly sounds like you are and to some. That that hey, why does he make more money? Because he hasn't won as many championships, and he's had more, you know, more of this, more of that, whatever. Um, it, it gets into that realm, which which sometimes can be counterproductive to the point. And uh, all all these coaches are great, and they have more similarities than they have differences. And uh, and so it gets it gets kind of subjective uh, in a way where it's not applied across the board, but, but again, it's for just, you know, these things are for discussion purposes. Nobody's ever going to come up with a list that is definitive and that we say, okay, here it is. Uh, you know, it's not the U S news and world report rankings for colleges, which takes in a variety of factors. It's a, it's more, you know, it's subjective in a lot of ways and, and it gets great discussion, but it doesn't solve it. What was the relationship Coach K played for Bobby Knight, as well as you know, uh, and you may not know that much, but between Coach K and Bobby Knight over the years, even now with Knight retired, present moment, do they stay in touch? Is Knight still influential in Coach K's career? I don't know. Coach Coach K uh, uh, and Coach Knight have had uh, somewhat of a complicated relationship over the years, um, and I think that's been well documented. Uh, sadly, Coach Knight is not in in the best of health, so uh, I haven't been in touch with Coach Knight uh, as often as I used to be for that reason. But um, um, so I don't know the answer to that uh, right now. Um, but but they have they they've had at, at times a great relationship and, and at other times it, it, it's been less than that. But uh, th- those things can get can get complicated when you're in the same uh, the same business and and you've had that prior relationship of coach and player. I don't know if this is as much Coach K as you know the phenomenon of college basketball, but I'm curious your opinion. Most Duke players stayed for four years until around, I, I mean, I, I'm sure you know other players that didn't, but the 99 team that lost to UConn in the, in the final, which was an extremely talented team with Elton Brand and Corey Maggette, those guys left early. You saw that with the late John Thompson, too, at Georgetown, where players would stay for four years, and then kind of Allen Iverson was the first one to leave school early. Can you talk about that phenomenon at Duke and then it changing? It's just a bit, it, it's the business landscape of the sport. It has nothing to do with whether 
a, a, a coach or a university or a player values education or values money or all that stuff. Uh, if the landscape were different in the 70s and 80s, players would have left early. You know, you would have had Bill Walton uh, would have contemplated leaving early. You know, back in the 70s, you couldn't leave early unless you declared hardship. Uh, and there are different rules in the NFL. You'd have NFL, you'd have college football players leaving a lot earlier in their junior year if they were allowed to. They're not allowed to. Uh, the NFL has collective bargaining rules that limit when they when a player can be eligible to the draft until his it's after uh, his junior year. So uh, and and it's it doesn't matter whether they stay for their junior year. They can. They don't have to be in school, but it's it's their year in school. Once it reaches their junior year, they're eligible for the draft. And basketball is different. Uh, the NBA has a different collective bargaining agreement that allows eligibility uh, at age 19, one year out of uh, out of high school, uh, for an American player. Uh, and it's different for a uh, an international player. They they can come in younger. Uh, so it, 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 sometimes there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to it, but it, it's, it's business. It wasn't, you know, coach K changing anything or changing his philosophy. Um, you know, I, I tend to think, and, and look, this is another area where reasonable minds can differ. If you only want players that are going to stay four years, then do, then do that. Uh, you can recruit whomever you want, but, uh, but you know, a lot of times you recruit a player you think is going to stay four years and, and he doesn't. Other guys you think are, are one and done and they don't turn out to, to be as good as early and they wind up staying two years or sometimes three. So the truth is you never really know. We're wrapping up here with Jay Billis. Jay, do you have a story about Coach K uh, that you know maybe summarizes your relationship with him, who he is as a person, what he's meant to you over the years? What can you say about Coach K, now that he's retired and coached his last game. Well, he was a great coach to play for because he coached the whole person rather than just the player. I mean, on the floor, of course, he coached the player, but but he was invested in your uh, your whole life and uh, and helped us all uh, achieve whatever goals we had off the floor. In addition to pursuing, you know, our basketball careers as players and uh, and he's people see him on the sidelines and have a certain image of him. He's totally different off the court. Uh, he's a great guy, um, and a great person. Uh, but he's also a a tremendous competitor and, and, uh, very demanding, but at the same time, very understanding of, of each player and who they are. So, um, he's got a great mix and that's one of the reasons he's been, been so successful. Uh, and he's got tremendous drive and enthusiasm for the job. He's never, even at age 75, he's not lost. You know, he's lost a step. He's not as uh, spry as he used to be. Doesn't get around as quickly, but um, he's never lost his enthusiasm for the day-to-day grind of, of coaching, which which happens with, with most older coaches. They, they lose their taste for that kind of thing. It happens to everybody. You know, I, I've seen it happen to me in my, my law career. Uh, you know, you, you get tired of the, you, know, you get kind of worn out from the day-to-day stuff. It's not easy. And he's never lost his enthusiasm for that. I know you don't like singular necessarily things, but uh, at least when it comes to comparing, but would you say, and maybe you have a totally different opinion that Coach K's greatest, not as a coach, but coaching Duke greatest moment, most memorable moment was beating UNLV in 1991, when they were undefeated with a team that was, you know, already national champions the year before, they had 
blew, they blew Duke out in, uh, I believe, McNichols Arena in Denver by 30 in the final of the NCAA tournament the year before. UNLV came back. I believe they won. I mean, uh, Duke came back, and I believe the score was 79-77, and they upset UNLV, went on to the finals, defeated Roy Williams and Kansas, who had just knocked off uh, North Carolina for his first championship. That sticks out to me, but what about you? There are a lot of things that stick out. That that may have been the greatest upset because of the stage and the team uh, and, and the buildup to the game. Um, I mean, you could pick out 50 different games uh, as as arguably, you know, his greatest uh, achievement or things like that. Uh, you know, the game against Kentucky in 92 or, uh-huh. uh, you know, yeah. beating beating Butler in the final yep. in 2010 when when not yeah. a lot of people thought they were they were the best team there, there there's a whole bunch of things that that he's accomplished uh as a coach along with his teams that that have been uh been memorable it's and that's the beauty of that like you know so, i mean i it's a kind of a silly thing to say but but it's like you know what's your favorite child or what's been your favorite moment with your family you know there are too many to too many to um, to name and you are a member of the duke uh basketball alumni and i i feel that that's a special fraternity does coach k visit with former players talk to former players do do does he get together with his former players what's kind of the relationship that he has i'm sure it's different with every single person but you know the overall atmosphere yeah of course he does um you know sometimes they're they're event-based other times when you go back you get together with them but uh yeah he uh, we all keep in contact with them. Some, some people see them more than others, but I see them more than most guys based upon my job. Uh, you know, puts me on campus all the time working. So, uh, I see them quite a bit, but it's in a little bit of a different context. So yeah, I mean, we all stay in touch with them, uh, and, and see them. Um, so, you know, those relationships have, have certainly remained strong and it may differ from player to player. Some people see them more than others, but, but he's, he's always been very accessible to all of us. And, uh, you know, but, but that's true. That's sort of the thing about, you know, coach K gets a tremendous amount of credit for that because, and rightfully so, but because of his position, you know, you wind up talking about these kind of things because you talk about him so much, but I don't know a, a great coach on any level. Uh, and, and there are a lot of coaches in division three, division two high school, uh, that, uh, that aren't as high profile, but it doesn't change the character of their relationships with their players. Relationships are the same, uh, whether those relationships get attention. So maybe Coach Gay's relationship with Grant Hill gets more attention because of the profile. But it's no different than uh, you know than Fran McCaffrey's relationship with uh, uh, with Luca Garza or something like that. That doesn't get as much attention. Just because this topic is going to fade away, I've always been curious. I. I had heard I even covered the Lakers from 03 to 06 for Sporting News Radio out in L.A. that Kobe Bryant came very close or maybe he didn't come close. He was drafted, obviously, high and traded for Vladi Divac and came out of high school the year after Kevin Garnett. But you heard that he had a very close relationship with Coach K, which I think is through uh, the Olympics, but that he was very close to attending Duke. Can you shed any uh, insight on the late, great Kobe Bryant and his affiliation with Coach K? And did he come close to attending Duke? Well, he didn't come close to attending anywhere right. because uh, there was no question he 
was going pro, but, but he had, I, I had heard him say publicly that if he had gone anywhere, he would have gone to Duke. But I also heard him say that he would have gone to LaSalle and would have gone another place. So, um, you know, what people say and what they, they may have done, I, I, who knows? Um, you know, LeBron James has said he would have gone to Ohio state and, uh, that Mari Stoudemire would have gone to Memphis. Who, who knows? Yeah. yeah who, who, who knows? But, but it's, it, that's another thing that's fun to think about, but, uh, but none of it was ever going to happen. Jay Billis played for Duke from 82 to 86, played for coach Krzyzewski, Coach K, appreciate the time. And now that the NCAA tournament's wrapped up, I know you have legal work, but I hope you get some rest. Thank you. We'll take a break and wrap things up. I'm Evan Makovsky, and you're listening to the Issues of Sports. Welcome back to the Issues of Sports. That's going to wrap things up for this episode. Great stuff. It's always fun to have a spirited conversation with Jay Billis. I want to thank him for coming on to discuss Coach K, where he fits in history, and his legacy. And of course, I want to thank the Believe Network, our first episode on Believe.com. Check us out there. We are home, so to speak, working at Believe. The Issues of Sports is happy to be on the Believe Network. I'm Evan Makovsky, and thank you for listening to the Issues of Sports.